What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Здравствуйте, дорогие друзья! Hi everyone, thank you for watching this. No writer is more dear to the Russians than this man. He was a grandson of an African man, but also a playboy, a brat, arrogant man who spoke better French than Russian. To make his French connection even more interesting, he was killed by a French man in a duel. Most importantly, this man invented a new literary Russian language that was more precise, clearer, and simpler, which made him the poet of the Russian people. The Tsar left him, so did the Soviet leaders like Lenin and Stalin, and Tchaikovsky, the greatest Russian composer, wrote an opera based on his work. Alexander Pushkin is considered the father of Russian literature, the Shakespeare of Russia, whose poetry captured the spirit of Russia, who influenced subsequent writers like Lermontov, Gogol, Turgenev, Dostoevsky, and Tolstoy. His most famous work is Eugene Onegin, a novel in verse. Today I'll answer the following questions. Who was Pushkin? What is Eugene Onegin about? I'll summarize it and discuss its major themes. I'll also answer how and why Pushkin captured the imagination of the Russian people. Pushkin also posed a few interesting questions such as, is human existence nothing but a contradiction? Do we all want happiness or struggle and anguish? And are smart, learning people really stupid and less happy because they suppress their natural inclinations? At the end, I'll read one of his most famous poems that nearly all Russians know by heart. First, let me tell you a little bit about Pushkin's life and death, which I think he might have somewhat subconsciously predicted in his own masterpiece. Alexander Pushkin was born in Moscow in 1799 into an aristocratic family somewhat similar to English romantic poet Lord Byron, whom Pushkin admired very much. Pushkin's great-grandfather was Ibrahim Ganibal, an army general born in modern-day Cameroon, but kidnapped as a child by the Ottomans and later gifted to the Russian Tsar, Peter the Great. He grew up to become one of the highest-ranking Russian generals, so Pushkin was very proud of his African ancestry and depicted in a short story, The Moor of Peter the Great, and also a poem titled My Genealogy. Pushkin grew up in and around St. Petersburg. He was educated primarily in French like all the Russian aristocrats at the time. At a young age, he showed great talent in writing. His French education allowed him to read Voltaire, Diderot, and Rousseau. As a result, he acquired a liberal attitude towards social change. His radical social activities were flagged to the government and he was pushed out of St. Petersburg. So he traveled to the south, the Caucasus, the Crimea and Moldova, where he became a Freemason and later got himself involved in the Greek revolution against the Ottoman Turks. But when he found himself in Odessa, he seduced the governor's wife, so the Russian authorities forced him back to his family state. This exile or house arrest allowed him to focus on his poetry, the solitude and isolation he needed to cultivate his craft of writing poetry, of longing and loneliness. This is a lesson, if you want to be a writer with deep thoughts, you ought to live in isolation for a bit so you can travel deep inside your own psyche or the subconscious. In 1825, there was a coup against the government which became known as the Decemberist Revolt. 
in which many Russian aristocrats rebelled against the Tsar, but failed. Pushkin was implicated through one of his poems, so he was summoned to Moscow. But this proved to be a reversal of fortune. The Tsar was very impressed with the young Pushkin's honesty and immediately employed him as a special advisor in the National Archive. Perhaps a clever ploy to keep the man silent. During this period, he also met the Polish national poet Adam Mickiewicz, whose epic Pantadeusz I discussed a while back, who was also exiled to Russia due to his political activities in Poland, which was under the Russian rule at the time. In 1828, Pushkin met Natalia Goncharova, one of the most beautiful ladies in Russia who was 16 at the time. Three years later, they were married. Here's a twist of fate. Pushkin, throughout his bachelor life, seduced and slept with many women, often someone else's wife. Now he was married to a beauty. Guess what happened? Other young men pursued her. So Pushkin had to face the same fate he had inflicted on others. A Frenchman pursued Natalia and Pushkin challenged him to a duel in which he was wounded. Two days later, in 1837, Pushkin died aged 37. This image of Pushkin is carved into the Russian psyche. The young poet was dead, his beautiful wife a widow, and Russia was without its greatest writer. Now I'll summarize Pushkin's masterpiece, Eugene Onegin, which bizarrely has a duel in it which results in the death of a young poet. Did Pushkin predict his own death? Yevgeny Onegin or Eugene Onegin is a novel in verse published in 1837, which Pushkin wrote between 1825 and 1832, taking him almost eight years. Pushkin wrote it in Onegin verse, which he developed and now named after the book. Its protagonist is Eugene, or Evgeny, the first and most important Russian character who's known as the superfluous man, someone who lives in his head, a bit sentimental, romantic, or someone who thinks a lot yet unable to enact on his ideas, or fails to achieve his life's goals. I have discussed this in great detail in my other videos, especially in the prose works of Turgenev and Dostoevsky. At the heart of the novel is this fundamental question, what is the purpose of life? Is it happiness? Is it achieving your goal or is it a perpetual struggle? Is it passion in the form of love or death? The narrative focuses on four people, two men and two sisters from the Russian high society, all educated and cultured. Eugene is a 26-year-old man who belongs to St. Petersburg's high society, whose enormous wealth and good looks put him at the top of Russian society, so he looks down on most people. But you know when you have it all, you experience it all, now it's harder to get fulfillment from things in life. Since he has seen or experienced plenty of parties and a glamorous life, he gets bored very easily. He questions life, what is the point of it all? He's a cynical man, the opposite of Dostoevsky's the idiot, Prince Mishkin, who is naive and innocent. I think Dostoevsky wrote the idiot in response to Eugene Onegin to depict blind faith or Don Quixote type character. Eugene is a Hamlet-type character who questions everything. Sick of the city life, Eugene decides to move to the country state that his uncle has left him. There he meets a young and naive poet, Vladimir Lenin, oops, Vladimir Lensky from a neighboring state who daydreams about his romantic fantasies. The young poet, Vladimir, incidentally educated in Germany where he must have read Goethe's The Sorrows of Young Werther. Published in 1774, some 25 years before Pushkin was born, the most romantic works of German literature. Vladimir is engaged to be married to Olga, 
a bubbly and happy-go-lucky kind of girl who doesn't think very deeply. Bash has a sister, Tatiana, who's the opposite, very quiet, thoughtful, yet deeply romantic and passionate on the inside. Vladimir invites Eugene to meet his fiancée Olga and her sister Tatiana. Now we have all four of them together in the house, two boys and two girls. Vladimir and his fiancée's older sister Tatiana are romantic and passionate people, while Eugene and Olga are less romantic. You know what happens. The quiet Tatiana falls in love with the city boy Eugene, but she is too shy to talk to him directly so she gathers all her courage to write a love letter confessing her romantic feelings for the St. Petersburg man. It's an incredibly beautiful moment as she dreads writing the letter. Here's what she says. To see you by our fireside stand, to listen to the words you speak, address to you one single phrase and then to meditate for days of one thing till again we met. Why did you visit our poor place, forgotten in the village alone? I never should have seen your face. Imagine, here alone am I, no one my anguish comprehends. At times my reason almost bends, and silently I hear must die. But I wait thee, scarce alive, my heart with but one look revive. Or to disturb my dream's approach, alas, with merited reproach. When she finishes her letter, she says, "'Tis finished, horrible to read, with shame I shudder and with dread." Eugene has seen plenty, so he's not swayed by a country girl's romantic confession. So he ignores her letter. Here Pushkin masterfully contrasts the cynical man's reaction to something so incredibly tender by a young woman. His self-righteousness is summed up in a saying which has become a very popular proverb in Russian. Moy dadya samich chesnir pravil which basically means my uncle knows it all, or my uncle is a self-righteous man. Tatiana is heartbroken. She tries to get an answer, but Eugene keeps pushing her away as if she is a naive country girl. But as time passes, she gathers her courage and talks to him directly. This is another tender moment. Tatiana is trembling with fear and nervousness as she tells him. Oh boy, how naive she is. Not only Eugene rejects her, he also adds salt to the injury by giving her a famous speech, as is known Onegin's sermon, in which he tells Tatiana that her love is cute but no thank you, resolutely saying that he is not interested in love or marriage. Eugene doesn't stop there. He also advises Tatiana to forget her romantic fantasies and naivety, and that she should live in reality. He tells her that if she continues to fall in love with men, someone might take advantage of her blind passion to destroy her. The age of rationality has arrived in Russia. There's a saying, there's a Russian saying, which means love is evil, it will make you fall in love with a goat, in other words, a playboy. Meanwhile, Vladimir still hopes to see Eugene and Tatiana together, so he prepares a party and invites the city boy. A few days before the party, Tatiana has a nightmare in which she is chased by a bear, symbolizing the cold of rationality, I guess. So she takes refuge in a country hut where Eugene has a party, only to find it's full of goblins and demons. Eugene comes to her rescue only to stab Vladimir with a knife. Tatiana wakes up terrified, this is a bad premonition. Now, in real life, Vladimir tells Eugene that the party is small, only a family gathering. But when Eugene shows up, he realizes it's a mediocre country ball. Eugene has seen so many great parties and balls much more grander in his own hometown, St. Petersburg, that this little party means absolutely nothing to him. Vladimir's sneaky plan annoys him. Eugene gets more annoyed with the country people who gossip about him and Tatiana. Eugene decides to teach Vladimir, the young country boy, a lesson. 
Here, Pushkin contrasts the sincerity of the country people with the cynicism of city man who looks down on these beautiful country souls. Eugene, instead of finding the people more endearing, is too absorbed in his own vanity and embarrassment. Not only that, Eugene goes further in stabbing his friend behind his back and also to teach the man a lesson by seducing Vladimir's fiancée, Olga, who turns out to be incredibly easy as she is totally gullible while dancing with a sophisticated man of St. Petersburg. Since we are in 19th century Russia, Vladimir challenges his friend Eugene to a duel. At first, Eugene laughs at this. A country boy? But he has to accept because his pride is on the line. It turns out to be an easy job. Eugene shoots and kills the young poet. Years later, Pushkin himself, a young poet, is the victim of the same fate, a duel in which he dies. Perhaps somewhere in his own subconscious he saw that coming. But for Eugene, the experience is transformative. He is a different man from the Eugene before the duel. As we saw in Turgenev's Father and Sons too, when Bazarov injures his enemy in a duel, his whole nihilistic ideology crumbles. By killing his friend, Eugene kills his own old self or past self. Eugene decides to distract himself by leaving not only the country state, but also leaving Mother Russia to travel abroad. In his absence, Tatiana, who sees him as an enigma, visits Eugene's house to understand the mysterious cold-blooded man who rejected her love. Inside the house, she finds plenty of books which Eugene had left behind with plenty of notes. She reads them carefully and realizes that Eugene is in fact an amalgamation of his literary heroes, just like Don Quixote whose reading transformed him into an insane knight. She realizes that Eugene is not a real person but someone transformed through his own readings that have filled his head. He's nothing but a misanthrope whose head is filled with little impressions he read in books. In other words, Eugene is like a walking bookshelf that contains everything from the ancient world to the modern. A bogeyman or a tragic joke who is nothing but made of little dust of whims and impressions of other writers. In other words, he's no solid core, a fake, an imitation. I have to be honest, it did make me a bit self-conscious because I have read a lot of books and sometimes I do feel I've lost myself. So Pushkin was right, you are the sum of those people around you if you have friends, or the sum of all the books you've read if you don't have any friends, which is true in my case. Here Pushkin also takes a swipe at the pretentious city people who are fake in everything they do. But he's also critical of himself, as Eugene is somewhat similar to himself, a learned man who ruined people's marriages and never stopped seducing other men's wives. Not only that, Tatiana doubts her own love. Perhaps she doesn't love the real Eugene, but the persona of someone shaped by all the books he's read. As Bruce said, when we fall in love with someone, we fall in love with that person as imagined by us, not the real physical person, but how they are represented in our imagination. And that's why we fall out of love once we understand them more. Now the first part is over. Eugene rejects Tatiana. Not only that, he also kills her brother-in-law Vladimir, leaving Tatiana's sister Olga without a husband. Now in part two, Pushkin reverses it all. It's time to take revenge on Eugene, the cruel city boy. Time passes, days turn into months and then years. Now we're back in St. Petersburg in the most lavish ball in Russia where men with the biggest balls are attending the biggest ball. Eugene notices a fairy-like lady dancing in the pool of everyone's attention. Who could it be? Eugene is curious. It is of course the country girl he rejected years ago. Has she risen the ranks to take revenge? Perhaps. It is of course Tatiana who is now married to a prominent Russian prince and a big shot army general. 
As the saying goes, you only want things you cannot have. Eugene's obsession with Tatiana starts to grow bigger and bigger. Now the table has turned, it's Tatiana who pushes Eugene away. Eugene sends her love letters and she ignores. He chases her and she tells him no but no thank you by showing her ring. I'm married. The more she says no, the more he wants her. Eugene tells her, let's run away, somewhere nobody knows us. She thinks for two seconds and says, nah. Eugene's persistence finally has a result, but it's not what he wants. Tatiana says she loved him, but there's that famous dreadful but in all romantic tales. She says that ship has sailed because she is married to another man. Now here Tatiana does the same as Eugene did all those years ago. Quote, Onegin, I was younger then, and better if I judge aright. I loved you. What did I obtain? Affection, how did you requite? But with austerity for you, no novelty, is it not true? Was the meek love a maiden feels? But now my very blood congeals. Calling to mind your icy look and sermon, but in that dread hour, I blame not your behavior, an honorable course you took, displayed a noble gratitude, my soul is filled with gratitude. It was possible then happiness, nay near, but destiny decreed, my lot is fixed with thoughtlessness, it may be that I did proceed, with bitter tears my mother prayed, and for Tatiana mournful made, indifferent was her future fate, I married, now I supplicate, forever your Tatiana leave, your heart possesses I know well, honor and pride inflexible, I love you to what end deceive, but I am now another's bride, forever faithful will abide. She rose, departed, but Eugene stood as if struck by lightning fire. What a storm of emotions keen raged round him and of bold desire. And hark the clang of spurs is heard, and Tatiana's husband soon appeared. She gives him a sermon, a speech in which she tells him that, that she has no desire to break her promise to her husband. The rational, sensible speech Eugene gave years ago now bites him in the ears. She tells him he better forget it all. Russian women stay loyal. More importantly, country women stay loyal. She walks away, leaving Eugene to ponder over his life choices. He failed in his only romantic pursuit to make him officially the first Russian superfluous man, whose ideas in his head interfere with his quest, either romantic or ideological. Later Russian superfluous men would fail in their love, but also fail in their ideological missions, until Vladimir Lenin finally breaks that spell in 1917, to turn Russia into a socialist state. Analysis Fiction in Real Life Don Quixote by Cervantes and Madame Bovary by Flaubert and Eugene Onegin by Pushkin all have one element in common. What you read impacts you in ways you don't even realize. Writers throughout the world have understood that reading shapes your personality, outlook and even your life's decisions. Eugene was a product of his world, which also includes in the literary world. He read a lot of romantic narratives, admired many heroes and tried to live his life just like them. I think Pushkin shows that our ideas about love, life, happiness and success can sometimes lead us astray. Eugene thought that he knew better when he rejected Tatiana, but later, as time passed, he understood how much he had miscalculated her. By the time he realizes his mistake, it is of course too late. And that makes this a masterpiece. Now the biggest irony of all Pushkin is his own life. He was killed in a duel just like Vladimir was. Why? Because he pursued and slept with many married women. 
But finally, it was another man who pursued Pushkin's own wife who killed him. So what goes round comes around. City versus country. One of the central theme in Pushkin's Eugene Onegin is whether smart and learned people lose out in the long run. Eugene is a rationally smart man who rejects human nature and passion by rationally analyzing it as idiotic. He rejects Tatiana's laugh as something stupid. In other words, Pushkin tells us Eugene has seen plenty, which means he's like a damaged good. His learning has made him to misjudge things. His prejudice blinds him to his natural instinct. And city life has damaged his natural intuition. In other words, once seen, it cannot be unseen. Knowing too much makes one to be cynical and never happy. Tatiana, however, embraces her nature, her passion and her honesty in living within her natural inclinations. Her naive love makes her unhappy, but for Pushkin that is more admirable because she embraces her natural intuition. We are meant to suffer in life. There is no way you can avoid it. So you might as well suffer while being true to your nature, authentic and brave in embracing your natural passion. Eugene thinks by being smart he wouldn't suffer, but at the end he is miserable because he fought against his natural passion in favor of reason. Tatiana doesn't fight her natural romantic inclination, while Eugene's learning and urban experiences have made him smart in the head, but an idiot in the heart. He's a superfluous man who lives an inauthentic existence, mostly in his head while ignoring those around him as well as his own natural instincts. This makes you unhappy, bitter and cynical. Dostoevsky in all his novels try to show that knowing too much, seeing too much and questioning too much make you miserable in the long run. Tatiana is a symbol of country people who remain sincere, passionate, loyal no matter what is thrown at her. Eugene's superficiality means he gets bored very quickly because he's not fulfilled on the inside. I think Pushkin tries to show that outside comfort is never enough. You want more and more. Inner comfort is important. Onegin's rational speech about romantic passion is cold and cruel. His duel with Vladimir also exposes the societal conventions of the time dictating his life. Jean-Jacques Rousseau said that man is born free but tainted by society. Pushkin takes his even further saying that not only society but what you also read or consume that come from outside your own culture. Eugene values his romantic heroes, Byron in particular. His cynical views of others make him selfish and indifferent to others. Pushkin contrasts the warmth of the country with the cold of the city. However, Dostoevsky's Raskolnikov and Ivan, both influenced by outside ideas coming from the West, question Russian Orthodox values and tradition. So this takes a more nationalistic tone. Russia was modernizing it, so people were attracted to shiny things coming from Western Europe. This was making people more selfish, superficial and insincere. Pushkin and later Dostoevsky showed the negative side of modernity making people more empty and fake. Suffering. There is no Russian novel in which suffering is not a central theme. According to Dostoevsky, Pushkin's poetry shows that the Russian people do not look for happiness but instead they look for struggle. Russian literature is not an escape from reality but taking us deeper into reality, digging deeper into inner psyche of our existentialist suffering. The harsh, cold and inhospitable climate requires people to be real, to embrace reality. 
no matter how horrible or unpleasant. When your survival is at stake, it's important to know the bitter truth than sweet lies. Yuji no Negin is a tale of struggle. How do you find love? When do you say yes to love? And when do you say no to love? And most importantly, how to live with the consequences of your decision, good or bad. Russians don't seek happiness, but struggle. Pushkin's spell on Russians. Pushkin poetry captured the imagination of generations of Russian readers for the simple reason that his language is incredibly simple, which is only possible if you have clarity of mind. Another important fact to know is that he was educated in French, so his Russian was not as refined as his French in his early years. But this allowed him to write in a kind of bare-bone Russian, raw, honest, and precise. Not some fluffy, jumbled literary language, but simple. His outsider's approach helped him remove the fluffy and sentimental aspects of the language, make it as bare-bone as possible. Pushkin was not a nice man in that he pursued many married women, but never committed to them. He was a playboy prince who couldn't have enough of women. But he lived an authentic life. His noble social status allowed him to be true to himself. This authenticity gave him a clear voice to express his inner passion and feelings as simple as possible. Just remember that being part of the aristocracy meant that there was a huge amount of pressure on him to tone things down or contain what he wrote. But he ignored the outside world and instead trusted his gut feelings and inner voice to tell the truth truth, to express his inner poetry with clarity and precision. I've talked about honesty being one of the most defining features of Russian literature, and it all begins with Pushkin. He never shied away from being incredibly self-critical in those around him. He turned his observation about himself and the world into beautiful poems. Another reason he has remained immortal is that he captures one of the biggest contradictions of human existence. We all seek happiness, we all seek peace, yet at the same time we cannot avoid conflict on the outside, but also on the inside. Pushkin understood that on the surface we all want peace and happiness. But if you peel back layers and get to the bottom of human existence, we seek discomfort, chaos, anguish, and conflict. He tapped into his inner voice to articulate this existential contradiction between comfort and discomfort, between love and loss, between peace and conflict, between beauty and sadness. We humans need both. We humans love rules but also unruliness. It was Dostoevsky said that Pushkin captures that Russian people desire not for happiness but struggle. I think we want happiness but also deep down crave for some struggle. Human life is a contradiction and Pushkin's Eugene Onegin is a great example of that contradiction. Now I'll read Pushkin's most famous poem titled Two Asterisk 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 translated by Andre Neller which almost all Russians can recite. It was written in 1825 when he was exiled to the country state where he spent time in solitude. It is believed that Pushkin wrote it about his love Anna Kern or some other woman. I still recall the wondrous moment when you appeared before my sight, as though a brief and fleeting omen, pure phantom in enchanting light, in sorrow when I felt unwell. Caught in the bustle in a daze, I fell under your voice's spell and dreamt the features of your face. Years passed and gales had dispelled my former hopes and in those days. 
I lost your voice's sacred spell, the holy features of your face. Detained in darkness, isolation, my days began to track and strife. Without faith and inspiration, without tears and love and life, my soul attained its waking moment. You reappeared before my sight as though a brief and fleeting omen. Pure phantom and enchanting light, and now my heart with fascination beats rapidly and finds revived, devout faith and inspiration, and tender tears and love and life. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.